0: This is the SSPX podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English speaking world. We're speaking with Father Robinson today on a few topics. First, why is it that we pray to the saints when we can just pray directly to God? We'll do an overview of prayer. Then we'll bring up the topic of organ donation. Why is it that the church frowns upon this practice when it seems really charitable? And one of our listeners asked, why is it that communion in the hand is such a big problem? Isn't the Novus Ordo Mass a problem in and of itself? So why does it matter? We'll tackle these questions and more discussion next. Hello Father, how are you? Hello Andrew, I'm doing well. Very good. Well, we have a few questions to get to this week, but as always, wanted to check in with you Father and see if there's anything new from Holy Cross Seminary where you are a professor
1: uh no no real breaking news uh, the, the the seminary or well, at least half of the seminary at least is is traveling to new zealand uh next weekend in order to be part of the christ the king celebrations there so that's really the only uh, uh newsy items that we have right now at holy cross uh, the other half of the seminary is just be heading to sydney for the christ the king celebrations a bit of a way for the seminary to get out and, uh, and show the, the, uh, the people down here that the, the seminary exists and hopefully uh, attract some vocations.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is that is uh, I'm sure a lot of the folks in the area know that there's something going on, but probably helps to put a face to a name.
1: Absolutely, and that's definitely the case with New Zealand. Um, it's be the first time that the, the seminaries really had a major, major trip over there as a body, Be yeah, I think a bit of a boost for the faithful and also, as they say, help uh, the people over there, our faithful over there in Whanganui, realize um, that the, the seminary exists and, and um, yeah, they, they've got about 400 faithful there in Whanganui in New Zealand with a big school. So we're hoping that it will, it will provide a bit of a, an impact over there and attract some some new vocations to the priesthood and the religious life.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I've I've heard of Wanganui for so many years, and uh, I, I didn't realize it was it was even that that large. That's that's great, and I'm sure that the seminarians will provide a good example of of what uh, the vocation to the religious life could be.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, wanganui's is a great place. It's uh, for people who live in St. Mary's, uh, they would they would be familiar with with the kind of setting that Wangenoe presents. I mean, it's a bit bigger than St. Mary's; it's probably about 25,000 people. But it's really a, a nice setting for a priory and a school. Um, and as they say, they, they've uh, they've got about 400 faithful. They've they've got uh, some Dominican nuns there, and um, they've got a nice parish. So it's really an encouraging apostolate over there.
0: Very good. Very good. Well, our our first question today has to do with prayer life, especially to the saints and to Our Lady. Could you give us just a basic primer on the different types of prayer that we do, uh, firstly, to God uh, as adoration and to the saints as we know as veneration?
1: Um, yeah, so well, the, the first point I, I would like to make with regards to veneration and adoration and, and worship, all those words, is that for uh, we as Catholics have a much broader understanding of these words than Protestants. Uh, so Protestants would, would say that these words generally can only apply to God, that you, you only worship God, you only adore God, you only venerate God, um, and they would not want to apply these words towards the, the saints. But there, there are in these words, there's so many words in the English language, a uh, sort of a strict sense of the word and a, and a broad sense of the word. Of course, in the strict sense, we, we only adore God. If if by adoration we mean an act of religion offered to God in acknowledgment of His supreme perfection and dominion, well, then of course uh, we only do that with respect to God. We only adore God, but. Um, Adoration does not just mean this acknowledgement of of God's supreme perfection and dominion. It also has a a broader meaning, and it really refers also to any reverence um, shown to a person or an object that is connected to God or that has a certain dignity because it's a creature of God and has a certain relationship to God. Um, especially because it ha- that that creature that person may have uh, a high degree of excellence uh, of holiness, for instance, and so that's why we as Catholics we um, do not have a problem using the the word even the word adoration. Um, you know, in common language, we, we someone might say to someone else, "I adore you," or "I adore this," "I adore," you know, my my pet chihuahua or whatever, um, but. You know, uh, we're just doing the same thing in regards to the order of God's creation. At the top, there's God. He deserves a special adoration that only applies to him. And we give that a a special name uh, called Latria. It's a Greek word, Latria. And then below God there are also the the creatures of God that have their respective excellences, um, and we owe to them also veneration because of, of of their their goodness, and we call the veneration or the adoration that we give to them uh, dulia. And in the word dulia is also a Greek word; it means uh, servant. So so uh, the the dulaic worship is is for the servants of god and the liturgical uh, worship is is for god himself um, so we we just have this broader perspective of the homage that's owed to god and all and all of god's creation and so we have different levels of that okay so
0: when when we do pray to the saints um that is not praying to them uh to us i mean we are praying to them but it is more out of a sense of respect, and and when we pray to them, uh, you know, the second question that I've received that has to do with this is, well, why pray to the saints? Why aren't you just going to pray, you know, directly to God? Um, could you talk talk about that a little bit, and, and why it is that we pray to the saints when we have uh, God himself, our Lord himself, who is all-powerful, uh, and, and could obviously hear our prayers better, maybe, than the saints?
1: Yeah, well, it's certainly not out of a lack of respect to God that we do this. It's not, we're not praying to the saints as if the saints can do something that God cannot do. Um, that would be ridiculous. God is almighty, and creatures are not almighty. Um, God can do everything; creatures are, are limited in their activity. But the reason why we we pray to the saints is really out of out of a greater to show a greater respect to God. We we realize that we and ourselves are are quite uh, infirm. We're we're sinful creatures, and to so sort of go directly to the throne of God and demand something of Him. Um, would would not be as respectful as to ask one of his most favored servants to present the request for us. So really, it's a, it's an act of uh, realistic humility on the part of Catholics to pray to the saints, and it's something that that Saint Paul um, encourages the the Hebrews to to have respect for the patriarchs of the Old Testament. Uh, he also asks some of his Converts um, to pray for him. Uh, he asked them to be, as it were, intercessors for him at the throne of God. Uh, we ask one another to to pray for each other, and so all the more should we ask those uh, figures that we know to to be holy in the sight of God to pray for us to to the throne of God. Um, it doesn't mean we don't pray to God directly. Um, but it, it, it also means that that we we don't exclusively pray to, pray to God. We, we also pray to God through uh, these powerful intercessors that, that God has given us as as examples and and as we, we may expect um, powerful intercessors before his throne.
0: That's interesting. i I had never heard that explanation of it before Father uh, as far as we are basically showing humility to God by, by praying to his saints. Uh, I had always heard that it was more of a, if you're an employee and you go up to your next level manager, hey, can you talk to the big boss about getting me a raise? I I had always heard it was something more like that where we're praying to the saints to go to God for us because they're closer to God. Uh, but that's an intriguing way of, of looking at it. Like you said, Father, that it's a sign of humility. That's, uh, that's a beautiful way of looking at it.
1: Yes, and I, I mean, I think it's it's very important for us, especially in today's age, where the rights of God are forgotten. Uh, people think of God now uh, as merely being on our level. So they, they tend to blur the line between the the creature and the Creator today. And so often they are not showing the proper respect for God um, in their worship. And, you know, our, our devotion to the saints is is a way for us to reassert that and to remind ourselves that, no, we are just creatures, um, that we are dependent upon God at every moment. And, you know, we, we can't just expect for for him to be at our, our beck and call. And uh, like, if he doesn't answer our prayers in exactly the way that we've anticipated, therefore, he's He's doing us an injustice, or, or, or something like that. So we, we do need to remind ourselves on a regular basis in today's modern world um, that we are creatures, and that that we we are are definitely not at the level of God. And, and the, just this aspect of our Catholic faith that we pray to the saints as well as to God directly is is a is a good reminder of that.
0: That's great. Well, moving on to the next question, and, and this one is uh, this one is is intriguing. Um, I, I know in the past, as far as uh, medical issues and, and, and the church, um, the church is always kind of frowned upon, uh, experimental procedures and so forth. Um, but the, this questioner asked, what is, what is the, the Catholic position on organ donation? I had a priest tell me, the questioner says, that there were two reasons. One, because you can't desecrate the body. And two, because the doctor might not fight as hard to keep you alive. He said, that first reason doesn't make sense to me because if that were true, donating a kidney to a friend or family member would also be wrong. That's desecration too. So what's the difference?
1: Yes, well, I I likewise do not find the first reason to be too compelling. It's true that you can't desecrate the body um, as such, that like, generally speaking, I think you had a previous podcast with Father Kurtz perhaps about tattoos, but we, we don't just desecrate the body for no reason. Um, but if there is a, a higher purpose involved, um, uh, such as the preservation of the life of somebody else, then it's, it's permitted to, for instance, donate a kidney or um, to have a kidney transplant um, in order to save the life of, of another person. So, the thing is that, that when we uh, speak of these organ donations, what, what must always be kept in mind is the right that God over life and death received our life from God and therefore must allow Him to have control over that life. It's not um, in our own, we do not have right to. Um, Take it or leave it, as it were. We we that's why suicide is is obviously wrong. That's also why desecration of our our body is wrong. Um, we're not given our body to do with it whatever we want. We're we're given it to do with it what is right, what is correct uh, according to the human nature that God has given us. And so. If we are, are, are doing organ donations and in, in order to, to assist life, to fulfill the, the purposes for which God has given life, then it's a good thing. But if we're taking sort of control over life and if we're um, especially putting people to death – by organ donations, then it's wrong and and this is the problem that occurs sometimes with um, organ donations there there are some organs that can only be donated or they can only be harvested as as they call it. they use this term harvesting, which sounds kind of gruesome in my mind you know harvesting my organs um, so they, they can only harvest these organs when a person is still alive, and yet the harvesting of those organs does cause death. So, for instance, a heart transplant, I, I think, I believe, you know, you, you have to have a live heart. You've got to take the heart out while a person is still breathing. Um, so if, if you do that, obviously they're going to die. I mean, you can, None of us can live without a heart. Um, The excuse that modern medicine uses to to effectively kill people um, in harvesting their organs is that they're already dead when they are brain dead, that that when their their brain effectively stops functioning, then they are clinically dead. And so then it's not wrong to take away their vital organs. Um, But. As as Catholics, we would we would disagree with that. Um, We we would say, well, you don't know that brain death is the same as actual death. That that's uh, you know the the actual death is the separation of the soul from the body, and there have to be very manifest signs that that has taken place before you should start taking organs out of a body. And, and we would argue that really, for that reason, um, there should never be the harvesting of these, of these vital organs, uh, the, the harvesting of which would cause the death of a person.
0: Sure. Well, so, so if I could follow up on that, Father, it, it raises a, another question, um, in, in my mind at least. I know that the Catholic Church does not uh, say that you must use extraordinary means to keep someone alive. What if someone has agreed to not go through those extraordinary means and so doctors are able to, quote unquote, predict with some certainty that, all right, this this person is not going to last through the week. Um, Could not then the organs be harvested then because they would not be using extraordinary means
1: anyway? Um, I I think we we might be. Mixing two things here the 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 question of of ordinary means and extraordinary means concerns the health care that you're required to have for yourself. what to what degree am I required to take care of my health and treat sicknesses that I might have? And as you indicate, the church obliges us to take the ordinary means for preserving our health, such as uh, feeding uh, ourselves and, and, and drinking. We, we have to take food and, and water. Um, but she does not oblige us to take extraordinary means, uh, means which are often painful and, and costly and really make a person extremely miserable. Um, the church does not oblige us to, to take those one example would be artificial respiration. If if the body is is being sustained by uh, basically a machine is doing the breathing, then then you know a person is is um, allowed to forego that if if they if they wish. But that's just a question of allowing nature to take its course. So there's not an act of killing of a person. It's just nature is is doing the thing, and the body effectively is no longer able to sustain the person. And so it's a, it's just a natural death. It's just a question of whether the natural death takes place uh, earlier rather than later. Um, and if if it's if it's uh, the extraordinary means are going to make the person perhaps alive a little bit longer, but in a sense by by trying to trump nature. And obviously there's no obligation to, to do that. Again, if, if, if we say, oh, well, you know, the person's going to die anyway, uh, and so we'll just harvest his organs, well, that's taking life into our own hands. That's, that's trumping God's order and saying we're just going to intervene and decide when death happens so that we can get these organs and, and put them in another person. So that's when we cross the line when we actually kill one life to preserve another life. Um, that's, that's not permitted.
0: Okay, that makes more sense. Thank you, Father, for clarifying that. Um, no problem. The, the third question we have this week is about, um, about the consecration at, at the new Mass, at Novus Ordo Masses. The questioner said, what difference does communion in the hand make? He proposes that valid consecration is suspect at best at most Novus Ordo Masses, so really what does it matter if uh if handing communion out in the hand takes place
1: well i I think the sort of the 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 spirit behind the question is a little bit different from the take that that we would have um the sort of our our position in the society of saint Pius X on the new mass is that it is not of the attitude of invalid until proven otherwise but but rather we we have the attitude of valid until proven otherwise. Um, so we assume that the new mass is being said validly unless we have contrary evidence, and we we don't assume that it's invalid unless we have contrary evidence. So it's, it's a very different perspective, and the reason is because if we just take the the new mass as it's written um, and. We, we see the form is valid, and we, if, if the priest is using you know, unleavened wheat bread, he's using fermented grape wine, the, the mass would, would be valid unless there is other evidence, and that could only come from the intention of the priest. I mean, if the priest stood up and said, I, effectively, I, I'm not, I don't want to say mass, um, then that would be obvious evidence. So, you know, because of, of this, I mean, if, if a priest is using cookie dough, um, if, if he's using grape juice, or if he says, um, this is I'm not intending to say Mass, then obviously it's invalid. But otherwise, we just presume that it is valid, and we show the proper respect to the Blessed Sacrament. So when we visit a Novus Ordo church, we, we genuflect before the Blessed Sacrament, and we presume that, that our Lord is present there uh, unless we have pov- positive evidence uh, to the contrary.
0: Right, so so it's it's always uh, it's kind of like innocent until proven guilty, right? It's it's we always assume that our Lord is there and treat the Novus Ordo Mass and 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 the and the churches as if as if He were there, um, because you you don't want to inadvertently show disrespect to to our Lord's presence uh, if He is there, uh, and and I would say, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but w- would it also be sort of a, a sense of of scandal if uh, a traditional Catholic was saying, well, I don't really care if there's communion in the hand. Well, you should, because even if the, the, the consecration is doubtful or in, or invalid, you don't even want to propose that, that 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 practice is okay just because it's so abhorrent in and of itself.
1: That's right. I mean, and from the perspective of the people there, they certainly uh, believe that, that our Lord is, is really present. So if they are manifesting, what Catholicism is to the world at large, um, they should show proper respect for what is presumably the Blessed Sacrament. And so it, it is a scandal. If, if, for instance, the the mass for some reason is invalid and, and nobody really realizes it, yet the fact that they would be treating the blessed sacrament in this way or the putative blessed sacrament in this way would be an objective scandal, and, and we must uh, avoid that that kind of scandal. And I mean, that's the one of the major problems that we have with the new mass is that it surrounds uh, the blessed sacrament with this ceremony that that, has, that effectively trivializes the Blessed Sacrament. There's a reduction of the genuflections, only just two genuflections in the Novus Ordo Mass. The, the priest does not hold his canonical fingers together. Uh, he does not brush the particles off. There's the sloppiness and the purification of the of the sacred vessels. The, the people come up and, and receive it in the hand. The communion is distributed by people who are not priests, by, by women and lay folk and, and things like that. So because of that, um, because the Blessed Sacrament is not treated as being God, it's treated as just sort of ordinary matter, people lose faith in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, if you go to the Nov- Novus Ordo Mass, our argument is, if you go to Novus Ordo Mass on a regular basis and the Blessed Sacrament is being treated in such a way, it's very, very hard to maintain belief that that really is God. Uh, because your outward treatment of the blessed sacrament does not correspond to an inward belief that it that it is god and so we we should be very concerned that the blessed sacrament is being treated in that way uh, even though there might be some cases uh, where the mass is not valid
0: understood well father thank you so much for for clarifying those questions we have uh, we have a few more coming and uh I know our faithful are very, very much appreciative. Uh, We've been getting some good feedback. So, Father, thank you very much for taking so much of your time for this.
1: I'm happy to have the opportunity, Andrew. And I thank you uh, once again for having me on. Very, very kind of you.
0: Very good. Well, we'll talk with you very soon. Thank you, Father. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate the podcast so that more people can hear the beauty and truth of traditional Catholicism. For more news, resources, and updates, you can visit the U.S. District website at sspx.org or the English News website of the Society at fsspx.news.